Hey everyone, welcome to Bourbon and Breaches, where we cover one of our favorite bourbons and the top five most interesting data breaches from the last week. I'm Steve. Still Mike. I'm Shu. I'm Nikki. Okay, great. And uh, for today, I'll turn it over to Shu to talk about the bourbon. All right. So we are doing, this is a bourbon I have, uh, I'm in the Seattle area and I've heard about this bourbon. I have it on good authority that this is a great bourbon. I have, um, and these are not just like average scrubs to say this is a very good bourbon. This is people that I know and trust say this is a great bourbon. It is uh, Wooden from Woodenville Whiskey Company. And this is their, their uh, standard flagship bourbon product. Um, I have opinions on local things. I feel that a lot of times people say, oh yeah, it's local, therefore it's great. I can attest to you that is not true. Well, I think a lot of places just use the local marketing pitch to sell stuff. Um, but we'll see about this because I've heard very good things about this. Is this your first time this, tasting it, Shu? This is my very first time. I've wanted to try this bourbon for a long time because of its reputation. So we'll get it, it live on camera. Live on camera. Before you do your tasting, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about about Wood? Oh, is it Wood Woodville? Wooden Woodenville? Woodenville. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's go to their let's go to their site here. I completely skipped all that and wanted to jump straight into the the tasting. So Woodenville Whiskey, they're in Woodenville, Washington, about a 15 minute drive away from me on the east side of the Seattle metro area. They've been around for about 11 years now. Um, yeah, I drive by their distillery. The, the other thing is I drive by their distillery often because one of my favorite restaurants is near there. But again, I have never actually been in. So um, yeah, more shame on me. But uh, here, their story, let's see, started by two local boys. What's, uh, what's your favorite restaurant over there? Uh, it's a restaurant called Purple. Oh yeah, we've been to Purple. But uh, yeah, anyways, um, yeah, two local guys, they started this whiskey company. Um, they did sell it, sell to uh, Hennessy like a couple years ago. But I, as far as I understand, the product is still great. Um, locally sourced products, um, locally sourced grains and, bar and barley and rye and all that. This is their farm. Um, what was impressive to me and you always have to look out for this here is their they're still looks like their farm and they make their own mash two and a half tons of corn rye malted barley yeah so it looks like they they make their own mash oh mixed with purified cascade mountain water which is definitely great because there's nothing better than cascade mountain water isn't that just what you're getting out of your tap I mean, technically yeah <laughs> so Still so so seattle municipal water supply <laughs> right right it's it's from the mountains over there <laughs> over that way um, um has it won any awards uh, you know funny you should ask steve i know you care a lot about this it is a double gold medal winner from the san francisco world spirits competition another one 
Another one. This is like our fifth double gold winner that we know about. And we've had oh, four man. episodes. We should Google to see how many there are and just like go through the list. <laughs> Have we had a single episode that hasn't been a double gold winner? Tell us about the whiskey. Let's see. They're, they're, uh, oh yeah. If you're coming out this way, they're here, Seattle. You get on the east side. There's Bellevue, which is like the San Jose of Seattle. They just go up north 405 and are right up here, Windville Whiskey Company. Uh, let's see, Whiskey Reviewer. Here's the. Here's the here's the mash 72% corn so we should expect a corny tasting tasting bourbon um, you should pay $40 a bottle yeah right welcome to uh, Washington's sales taxes uh, pushed it can't remember where I got this but it was closer to 50 so oh it is um it's weird. It's definitely on the smoother side. It does a nice coating on the mouth. There is a little bit of a, of a, again, a little bit of spiciness, not necessarily a kick. It's a very pleasant, uh, pleasant little burn there. Um, From the mash bill, I would expect it to have some rice spice and then yeah. some caramely uh, malt to it. Definitely caramelly, um, a little bit spicy. You know, I don't, it doesn't taste as corny as I would expect with all that corn. So 72% is a lot of corn. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I don't taste it. It's, um, I've tasted, uh, there's been some bourbons where you're like, wow, that's a lot of corn. And I can't say that's, that's, uh, this is one of them. It's definitely very caramelly and it's a little bit, it's more on the sweeter side than the spicy side, but the spiciness is there, so. Would you recommend as a daily sipper? What do you think? This could be a daily slip, sipper, yeah. Yeah, this could, uh, this could, this is not an unpleasant whiskey and I will, uh, I, will I will probably buy it again. I should just go in there one day and say, hey, I finally tried your, uh, your bourbon. It's a, it's a pretty good bourbon. That's the shoes brand of approval, not unpleasant. It's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm okay with this. All right. Let's jump right in. To the breaches. First breach we'll be covering comes by way of comicbook.com. Xbox Live bug leaks private information to hackers. Uh, a new Xbox Live bug has been discovered that allowed hackers to obtain the gamertag email addresses of Xbox One, Xbox Series X, and Xbox Series S users. Microsoft initially didn't seem very concerned with because while the breach leaks emails, it's the only information that was leaking. Um, what do you guys think? Is this a, another reason to just go with a PS5? Um. I am shocked that Microsoft was not concerned about this breach. I mean, with so many breaches, isn't it safe to just be able to say that? Like, hey, don't worry. This isn't the worst that could have happened. It's like. Uh, yeah, it's, um, that's the wrong response. I think that's always the wrong response is Playing to it down. try to downplay the seriousness of the breach. It's, it's only your email address and your account information. What could a hacker ever do with that? 
send a SWAT team over to your house. <laughs> um, yeah, I was going to get on my high horse and talk about PC gaming over console gaming, um, except then I also remember that Steam had a pretty big hack a few years ago too. So um, yeah, can't throw can't throw rocks in glass houses. Can we all agree? That saying it's not a big deal is the worst way to respond to a data breach. Like, let's just say, whoops, like even whoops is better. Like, or yeah. we fixed it immediately, it's no longer a problem. That's better. Yeah. Saying like, well, it's only emails. Like that's not the that worst. Bad. Yeah. It makes us not believe that you truly understand the importance of securing data. Agreed. Definitely agree. Number two, headline from Thread Post reads, Tesla hacked and stolen again using key fob. Yeah. Again. Love so it. researchers from the Computer Security and Industrial Cryptography, an IMEC research group at the University of Leuven in Belgium discovered a major security flaw in the key fob of the Tesla Model X the small device that allows anyone to automatically unlock the car by approaching the vehicle or pressing a button. Um, I mean, top points of this, this is the third time that flaws were found in their uh, system. And there's actually one badass who is tied to all of these and is a PhD student, Leonard Wouters. I'm going to guess it starts with a W, but they, uh, Leonard has shown issues twice previous. Uh, these are very expensive cars, 40,000, 100,000. Uh, the issue is found with the fob using Bluetooth because they wanted to add a feature where it would connect to people's phones. But uh, at this point, you know, with Tesla killing it right now, what do you guys think about this sudden recent breach? Oh, I guess security feature, this issue. I would expect Tesla to have a uh, better security if I'm gonna pay at least 40 grand for their car. I would totally expect them to try to come up with something cool, overreach and not deliver it properly is, is about what I would expect. Mm. So <laughs> very on brand. Well, there goes our sales opportunity with Tesla. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I Tesla's are great cars. They're beautiful. I love everything they're doing with the self-driving and learning from all the hours on the road. Um, but yeah, I, I, they have so much technology that they have to, they have to spend more on security and, and they should have teams like this guy that are trying to red team the Tesla, right? That just, and maybe they do. Uh, and if they do, then hire this guy because he's clearly finding stuff that they can't find. Um, uh, I feel like um, this is a big deal, except when you look at every other car and how you can pretty much hotwire any other car in like a minute, so. Uh, one final note on, on that, um, I'll add one final note on that. Signal stealing from key fobs have been around since day one. I mean, I back start, I, I, I backed a Kickstarter project, a flipper project uh, that can steal signals. This is not something new and novel here. The protocols have been reverse engineered. It's very easy to do this. 
any car manufacturer should be aware of this these days. Yes. Yeah, but the old key fobs worked on basically radio, and then this one is using Bluetooth, and that's that's why it's in trouble. But Bluetooth is the problem. Stop using Bluetooth. Yeah. Bluetooth is great for like music, and that's it. Don't use Bluetooth for like starting or driving a car. Keep that part. Keep that in there. Keep that statement in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's the gem. <laughs> All right. All right. So are we ready for number three? Walmart exclusive router and others sold on Amazon and eBay contain hidden back doors to control devices. Um, looking through the article, uh, there has been evidence found that these back doors are being actively exploited. And there's been an attempt to add the devices to a Mirai botnet. Explains what Mirai is, the malware that infects devices connected to a network, turns them to remotely controlled bots as part of a botnet, and uses them in large-scale attacks. Uh, the most famous of these is the 2016 DYN DNS cyber attack, which brought down major websites like Reddit, Netflix, CNN, GitHub, Twitter, Airbnb, and more. Um, after Cyber News reached out to Walmart, uh, they got a representative that basically told them, thank you for bringing this to our attention. We are looking into the issue to learn more. The item in question is currently out of stock and we do not have plans to replenish it, <laughs> which is great plan of action. What do you guys think? So, I said this when I first saw this. Um, I feel like this is a marketing problem because a exclusive router provided through Walmart from China, it has only one backdoor. That's a feature. <laughs> yeah, feature or bug. So I, I feel like if you're buying a $20 router from Walmart, directly from China, you know what you're getting into. I mean, I'm surprised that it even made it into the country. Um, wouldn't it be on one of the banned lists? Like, currently Huawei is is banned, and they have they have only a few backdoors in their system. So, <laughs> um, I still think it's funny that they're sold out. Some somewhere in the um, in mid tech. This, there's a refrigeration system 100% remote controlled from Beijing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it's uh, they're out of stock, which means it was a super cheap router, really good deal, and only one back door. And it's been discovered. So in theory, like you're getting a perfectly clean router after they apply the patch. Relatively speaking, this is a very clean router. After they apply the patch you know about. I think that a lot of this pales in comparison to what we're going to see with 5G. The whole premise with 5G is you no longer need home internet, you no longer need a home router. All devices just connect to 5G. And that's so scary because yeah. you think of all the IoT devices that are currently only being, uh, they're only protected by a home router that has some sort of filtering capability. 
I don't trust my Nest thermostat. I don't trust my cameras. I don't trust, you know, the switch that turns on and off my TV. Um, they're all dumb devices, poorly made. And with 5G, everything's going to connect to a public internet. Even if it's local, it's still not going to be controlled to, to your house. And so uh, this is, I think this story will be quaint in just a few years because uh, once we all switch to 5G, um, there is no home network. There is no concept of a firewall um, in, unless you explicitly put one in there. Otherwise, everything just goes direct to the 5G network, and it's, it's a free-for-all. Let's go to the next story. <laughs> next story. Here we go. I'm going to share my screen and wipe the rest away. Headline reads, Sophos notifies customers of data exposure after database misconfiguration. UK-based cybersecurity vendor Sophos is currently notifying customers via email about a security breach the company suffered earlier this week. They say, on November 24th, 2020, Sophos was advised of an access permission issue in a tool used to store information on customers who have contacted Sophos support, the company said in its email to customers. So they were just saying, hey, sorry, this happened. Uh, exposed information include details such as customer first name, last names, email addresses, phone numbers, if they gave the phone number, they didn't need to. Uh, but this is the second major security incident Sophos had dealt with this year. Back in April, a uh, cybercrime group discovered and abused the zero day in the Sophos XG firewall to breach companies across the world. Um, the attackers deployed the Asnarok Trojan, cool name, and once the zero day was publicly disclosed, they attempted to deploy ransomware, but eventually failed. Um, doesn't look like things are looking good for Sophos, but they are making their attempts to notify all their company, all their customers. What do you guys think about this one? Yeah. Is that pack? Database misconfiguration. It's not good. Don't well, expose the database to the internet. At least they had to get through a zero day in order to break into. Right? Well, that was the, that was the one in April. Oh, this was not. Yeah, that was the first one. Yeah, that was the oh. first one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the first one could have been, or yeah, the, the one in April could have been really bad. It looks like you just. Uh, this current one was because of an access permission issue. Uh, boo. Not good. Boo <laughs> Sophos. Come on, come there you on, go. That's guys. The quote. That's the new quote for this week. Boo. boo. Come on, guys. Like, you're a security company selling security firewalls, I want to say. I'm not sure. I'm not so, sure specifically. What was the Cyber thing that security is the vendor? There? Yeah, the security vendor. Yeah. But they had a zero day, right? So yeah. that was that was in their firewall, right? Mm -hmm. So that's not good. 
like if there's one thing that you should do as a security vendor is be secure. And granted, they're big and they're well known, so that's going to be hard. Um, but you'd hope that there would be a lot of controls around customer service data. So like it, it's customer service data, which is, you know, name, address, phone number, email address. Um, thankfully not, you know, financials and other stuff. So it could have been worse. Um, could have been source code and lots of other worse things, but uh, it's not great. It's, it's really not great. Um, I wonder if it was their own customer support or if they, if this was really a third party issue, they outsourced it to someone. Yeah, it sounds like it was a, uh, a support system uh, tool that was, uh, that was compromised. Um, and companies all the time use some sort of third party tool, maybe in the cloud or on-prem. Um, they don't really know what, how it works uh, underneath the hood and they just install it and off they go. And it looks like, and there's like dozens if not hundreds of these tools. So um, it looks like something got compromised uh, in, in that layer and it, the, the information was leaked from there. This just reinforces the importance of third-party risk and third-party management because if you pick uh, a third party, which, which we're guessing, but it seems reasonable that Sophos, a security company, is not also building an in-house support system. You know, they did something off the shelf or they did Zendesk or Zoho or, or whatever. Um, you just have to make sure that you pick a secure vendor and then you set them up properly. And uh, I don't know if they picked an insecure vendor or if they just didn't set it up properly. I mean, if you pick Zendesk, I believe Zendesk has two-factor built in and that very easily could have, you know, prevented this from happening. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think Sophos sort of shame on you for not securing your customer data um, but, uh, also it's, if I heard a hack at Sophos, this is probably the least concerning thing that could have happened. Ready for number five? Darkside ransomware gang launches affiliate program. So Darkside is the latest ransomware gang that announced that it's launched an affiliate program as part of its bid to maximize revenue. Here's how such affiliate programs work. Ransomware operators provide crypto locking malware code to third parties. Each affiliate receives a version of code with their unique ID embedded. For every victim that pays a ransom, the affiliate shares the take with the rans ransomware operator. What are your thoughts, your history? What do you guys have to share about this one? So we, we track a lot of these. Uh, including Reevil, uh, SunCrypt. Um, I, I'm surprised to hear SunCrypt is is out down for the count. Um, that's that's surprising. Can I they just make too much money. And then I always, always I felt like they had the best name, 
I appreciated their name. It also sounded very cheery. Suncrypt. Yeah. It's like Sunkissed, but for encryption. <laughs> um, we uh, obviously see Re-Evil all the time. Um, I, I think ransomware is having a moment, but it's also an inflection point. I think in a year, we're going to either have 100 different ransomware varieties or two. <clears throat> so with affiliate programs, it makes complete sense. If you're good at breaking in places, break in places, deploy our ransomware, we'll handle the transaction, the payment, the ransom, and you take 25%, right? So it uh, makes complete sense. Um, division of labor, you know, ultimately this is an economy and mm. the dark net economy is thriving. And with, with the amount of money going into the dark net, you've got specialization, you've got affiliate programs, you've got channel partners, you've got you know, affiliate agreements, you have accounts payable. I mean, you're, you're, you're looking at the new dark businesses of the next um, hundred years, so. Yeah, I would say that there's absolutely no downside to them for this except the 25% that they're, that they're paying out. But in the grand scheme of things, that's, that's nothing because um, their reputation, I don't think they, they really care about that because they're, they're contracting out the risk, which is the biggest part of this. So if an affiliate gets caught, who cares? All they've set up is this barrier between them and the affiliate in terms of risk. So um, they're happy to, to give up 25%. So I think for them, it's a very smart move. The question is, you can get ransomware as a service. So you, if you're good at hacking, could be an affiliate or you could buy or subscribe to some ransomware that's being maintained by ransomware developers and deploy that and then get the full payment, but you have to pay for the, for the ransomware as a service. So it's, do you want an upfront cost with a higher risk or do you want no upfront cost with a lower risk, but a lower payout on success? Um, and I, I bet, you know, the, the best hackers as part of the affiliate program, they get a higher rate, you know? You gotta keep those top producers happy. Um, this is sales economy 101. So, I mean, this is, this is the beginning of a trend that if it takes off, could establish certain varieties of ransomware as leaders um you know if you have an affiliate program that means more money to you that means more developers that means more development that means a more attractive offering um it's it this is the wild west and the gold rush all together in ransomware and i think one of these ransomware varieties will make a billion dollars in a year this reminds me of friends in high school that would spend more time figuring out the right way to cheat or the best way to cheat rather than just study. And it's like either you could study for an hour or you could spend two hours writing, you know, the entire test on one, you know, square inch of paper. So you could cheat on it later. Very interesting stuff. What friends did you hang out with? 
Nice. A lot of cheaters. <laughs> a lot of dummies. <laughs> I don't think anyone should be surprised at this. It's uh, crime always starts as this Wild West situation. They always get refined because there's too much money in this. You saw this with the mafia and prohibition, and uh, now you're seeing with, with ransomware and crypto. And I I think <clears throat> I, I think that what's most interesting is it's happening at such an accelerated rate. And we're able to, to watch it as it happens. No one saw the mafia as, as it became the mafia, right? Mm -hmm. They didn't publicly post their meetings, but hackers are publicly <laughs> posting their meetings, right? They're saying, hey, we have an affiliate program. And then if that seems to work, then the other ones will have affiliate programs and then they'll have com competition on margins and all that. Like they'll have job postings for ransomware developers. Um, it's it's uh, the the dark economy is maturing at a rapid rate. I mean, I was impressed years ago that the dark economy had a rating system to get rid of bad actors and people that operate in, in bad faith. I was I was impressed the dark economy had a full escrow. Uh, system in place to ensure safe transactions. Now, now we've got affiliate programs. We've got customer support. Can you imagine a Mental hacker calling? Vision. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine a hacker calling customer support for their ransomware, being like, "Well, I just hacked in somewhere, and the ransomware is not working. What What's going wrong?" It's like, "Well, did you did you check the documentation? Uh, <laughs> did you turn it off and turn it back on? Like, <laughs> you these check your are spam filter. <laughs> yeah. Like these are real things now. Like hackers have service level agreements for their ransomware, which is hilarious and terrifying at the same time." Let's just hope that they don't use the same ticketing system that Sophos used. What if a ransomware customer support uh, portal got broken into? Oh, that's a disaster. <laughs> that, that would actually, because that would be the names and addresses of all the hackers. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Disaster. That, that, that would actually be bad, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if, if, uh, if Reevil uses Zen, Zendesk for customer support. <laughs> <laughs> Their free tier. Mm -hmm. Well, this, this was an exciting one. Um, good episode, guys. Good, good job, guys. All right. Uh, this has been a Bourbon and Breaches. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, subscribe, follow, tick and talk our uh, episode and channel. And if you have any suggestions, we'd love to hear them. Uh, any bourbons or breaches that we've not covered, uh, you can write us at uh, contact at hacknotice.com. Uh, and until next time, cheers. cheers.